0: Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen. He is my brother, a.k.a. Brooklyn's Finest, Nick. What's up, baby bro? Is that a new nickname? Because I'm cool with it. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. You're the finest guy I know in Brooklyn. And I know like three dudes in Brooklyn.
1: I actually self-appointed my name the Meal Prep King because I prepped some meals this week.
0: Get bent. You know that my boy Meal Prep Magoey is the Meal Prep King.
1: Yeah, whatever, Magoey. Go fucking steam some rice.
0: Ooh. All right, Nick, we are coming off an awesome Nets win against the Bucks. We are going to get to that in a second, but first let's get to some Nets news. You found something interesting that basically did not happen, but could have happened with that big James Harden trade. Why don't you share with our listeners the news that uh, you wrote on the docket today?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I never know which sources are viable sources, but this seems like legit news here. Uh, Real GM Basketball said that the Nets were unsuccessful trying to trade Landry Shamit for a first-round pick. So to give a little context here, uh, the Nets were trying to acquire a first-round pick for Landry Shamit as part of the Harden trade so that they can keep Jarrett Allen. But the Rockets preferred a future first-round pick from the Bucks via the Cavs and salary relief. Instead of trading for Allen, so you mean Shamit?
0: Instead this says Allen. Oh, wait, that doesn't make any sense though, because you're saying we could have kept Allen.
1: No, but they're saying instead of them
0: getting Allen, Allen went to the Cavs. Okay, so the only difference here is the Nets would have gotten a first round pick for Shamit. That's, that's the only difference.
1: Yeah, so basically the Nets didn't want to give up Jared Allen, but the only way they could have gotten James Harden is if they gave up Jared Allen. So Landry Shamit was the one they rather give up, which makes sense, but it's kind of sad because Shamit just got here. So I wonder if Shamit knows that, and I wonder if uh, he kind of has a chip on his shoulder to play better now.
0: I'll tell you this. He's looked better these last few games. Uh, his, his threes are falling. He's finding some open space especially with Harden now in the mix. Harden just makes it a lot easier on, on those three-point shooters to get open looks. Um, I, I definitely think that Shamit is playing with a chip on his shoulder this year. Uh, he's one of the forgotten guys on this Nets roster. It sucks for him to know that the Nets sort of wanted to deal him over Jared Allen, but he knows it's a business. He understands that, and, and I think he's doing a good job of putting that stuff behind him and, and doing what he does best, and that's, that's nail three-point field goals.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I put a Lays chip on my shoulder and tell people I have a chip on my shoulder,
0: but they don't usually laugh at that one. Yeah, you didn't get me on that one, so I'm, I'm not a- laughing.
1: Anyway, another update uh, on the news front here, which is just very interesting to me. So according to uh, SB Nation, the Nets' big three, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, are officially the highest-paid trio in NBA history making accumulatively $115 million this season.
0: That is a lot of quiche, Nick, but it's quiche well spent on three guys who, I mean, two of those guys are are world champions. James Harden is one of the most gifted, offensively skilled players in the last 25 years. He he just does it all. And we've seen that in these last two games from him. Um, I think that's $115 million well spent. What about you? I
1: agree. I was pretty upset at the emergency pod, but after this two-game winning streak and Harden playing like a true point guard, I I can't really complain. Uh, And the last piece of news before we get into Harden playing with the Brooklyn Nets uh, for the first and second time is Nick Claxton, uh, a big man we are in desperate need of, uh, has a midseason projection to come back from his knee injury. Are you excited about that, Spen?
0: I am excited about that. I mean, we're really – lacking help on the front court right now. It's just Deandre Jordan, Reggie Perry's getting some big minutes right now. And uh, you have Jeff green switching between the four and the five, but if Claxton can, can come in, take away some minutes from Reggie Perry, help out on the, on the rebounds. I, I think he can be a huge help for this Brooklyn offense and we'll, we'll get into it right now, but I think any big man would die to play with James Harden because he just, he makes their lives so much easier with the way he plays. he, he was responsible for DeAndre Jordan's double-double tonight. That was all James Harden. Oh, did you know before tonight, fun
1: fact out here, DeAndre Jordan's season averages were his lowest since his rookie season 10 years ago. So I, I agree, and I was going to say, as much shit as we've given DeAndre Jordan this year so far, Harden just made him look like 2016 All-Star DeAndre Jordan, 2017.
0: Let's let's get into this. Brooklyn Nets win over the Milwaukee Bucks, 125 to 123. Uh, James Harden had 34 points and 12 assists. Kevin Durant with 30 points, nine rebounds. Joe Harris with 20 points and the go-ahead three-point field goal for him. Jeff Green had 14 points, and that was pretty much it. A few guys on the bench scored less than 10 points. Um, hey, Bruce Brown had
1: eight and six. Just he respect. did have eight
0: and six. And you know what? Those eight points were well-earned. I mean, there was one play – where someone missed a shot on the nets and Brown ripped Harden. the ball. Harden missed a shot. Brown ripped the ball on anybody from Milwaukee who was attempting to grab it, put in the layup and just screamed. I don't think anyone gives more effort on this team than Bruce Brown, but this Bucks game, man, this was a great test because obviously this is a team that's going to be there deep into the playoffs. They have not been able to get to the the championship. They've obviously ran into a lot of, tough matchups in in the playoffs these last few years. But Giannis, Middleton, now they added Drew Holiday. You still have Brooke Lopez. This is a really tough team. They can hit the three. They can defend. But the Nets did what they were supposed to do tonight. I think they shot. What did they shoot from the field tonight, Nick? It was above 50%. 55%. So 55% from the field. And 48% field, from three. Which is phenomenal. What what obviously kept the Bucks in this game, another 17 turnovers for the Nets. Which it's is not baseball. good. But you know what? With, with the way Harden plays, he's going to have a few a game. The ball's in Durant's hands so much. Those guys are going to probably average five to seven a game. And, and I'm not including Kyrie, who will probably have a few in there. So the way this team is orchestrated, you know you're going to have some turnovers. You just got to work on limiting them. But I loved what I saw from this team in regards to when James Harden and Kevin Durant had the ball, there was not a lot of standing around. And that's something that you and I were very worried when Harden came over. But it seems like these guys are moving without the ball. Joe Harris got his. He had 20 points. Jeff Green, for, okay, so, so James Harden has now made two guys much better since he's arrived. We talked about DeAndre Jordan before. DeAndre Jordan might be one of the worst starting centers in the league. James Harden made him look like a top 20 center tonight. I mean, the way that Harden was was moving off the pick and rolls, yeah, he probably should have had 18 points instead of the 12 because he missed a few a few passes from Harden, but good god, he looked good. And then the other guy, Jeff Green, how he had um I'm going to tell you right now, Jeff Green had four three-pointers tonight. And I want to say at least three of those were assisted by James Harden. Uh, what he's been able to do in regards to just making guys around him better. It's not that Durant can't do that, but it's the way Harden does it. On the pick and roll, the behind the back pass, you know, drawing two defenders. So he's able to dish it to a wide open Bruce Brown or DeAndre Jordan under the basket. He's just looked so good, especially tonight. He was the reason that we were really in this game in the fourth quarter and had that lead. It wasn't really as much Durant as much as it was Harden tonight, Nick.
1: No, I agree. Uh, I think it helped that last year Harden and Jeff Green played together on the Rockets and Green was kind of groomed into that uh, cross court finding the opening when Harden has the ball position and I think he does it well. So I think that chemistry carried over from Houston to Brooklyn. Um, I agree DeAndre Jordan missed a couple, but I will say there were a few alley-oops that Harden assumed DeAndre Jordan was Clint Capella and skyrocketed a couple feet over his head. So I won't, I won't blame Jordan um, for some of those high alley-oop passes. Jordan,
0: uh, Jordan was six of six from the field, by the way. So he didn't miss a shot. There were just a few balls. A couple that passes went over his, his head. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Sometimes
1: DeAndre Jordan looks like he has wooden logs for arms, and he just slaps a ball to the ground every time. He looks um, like
0: the guy from Family Guy who's who's all, who's all made of wood. Oh, well,
1: the guy has got, like, the pirate guy? Yeah, yeah the pirate about. guy. Got, like, wooden, yeah, you know. wooden pegs for legs and arms. Yeah. yeah.
0: I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: no, I I think you're right. The turnovers kept the Bucks in the game. Also – Giannis, and we were texting about this, was hitting his free throws, was hitting his three-pointers besides one air ball in the fourth quarter. Um, he, he pretty much did all he could do this game. Pat Connaughton hit his threes. And I will say the Bucks have such a deeper bench this year than they did last year. DJ Augustine and Bobby Portis coming in on from, as a second unit is a fantastic second unit combination. I mean, both of those guys were respective starters, on teams in the past three years. So to have that veteran leadership coming off your bench, DiVincenzo's looking great in the starting position. Connaughton comes in, hits his shots. I will say the Bucks are deeper than we are. But the problem is, is after Giannis has his hot streak, who are they going to, right? Brook Lopez is taking way too many three-pointers. I'm sorry, why is Brook Lopez just popping up to the top of the arc every single time and hooking it up? I will say also, when the game started and Brook Lopez went to center court to jump the ball, I got like a, some deja vu of him being a net, and for a second was like, oh, Brooke Lopez, and I realized he was playing for the opposing team. So I agree with you. I just think at this point, in the last two games especially, watching Harden and Durant play together, and we'll get into Bruce Brown coming into his own, uh, Joe Harris literally can't miss a three, this team right now is too hot, has too much talent, and too much offensive capability for even a team
0: like the Bucs to keep up. And Kyrie Irvin wasn't on the court. He wasn't even in uniform. So remember that. I mean, we're on a four-game win streak without our starting point guard. Um, how, how, what did you think of the way that we defended Giannis tonight? So we basically gave him the three. We gave him the mid-range jumper. He, We, we kind of let him eat tonight. I mean, he had 34 points, 12 rebounds. He hit two three-pointers. Uh, he played 40 minutes in this one. And then Chris Middleton, I, I mean, you want to talk about uh, – I don't know if you can call him a superstar, but he's definitely a star. He had 25 points, 10 of 20 from the field, 0 of 5 from three-point land. But it's weird because as talented as Giannis is, they go to Middleton down the stretch in games. So if I'm a Bucks fan, that scares me a little bit, that you're not going to the best player on my team. Instead, you're going to maybe the best as far as a uh, just – a natural scorer on the team, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, Middleton is a more natural scorer than Giannis is. He's
1: a more not na- hes a, hes a more natural shooter.
0: Yeah, I don't think okay. he's a more
1: okay. natural okay. scorer. Sure, he's uh, a more he's, natural he's, sh-
0: Well, in the context of basketball, is f- yeah, okay, fine. He's a more natural shooter. Let's go with that. But I my mean, point, dude, my- Giannis is—is my- is an attacking. He's probably the best attacking threat in the NBA. My point is, they went to Middleton down the stretch. So I mean, from from a Nets perspective, I was fine with it. I guess. If you're a Bucs fan, like, are you worried that even after years of, of this team, of this core, they still don't really have a working formula down the stretch in games?
1: Here's what I'll say uh, in, in lieu of your first question of, of Giannis, uh, the defensive strategy against Giannis. That strategy of giving Giannis literally like the top of the three down to the free throw line with nobody picking him up is the hardest uh, thing to combat as an offense. Because right. what you're basically doing is letting the team 10 feet down in, towards the paint and not guarding the main guy. So you get to double down low so that he can't dish it off. Giannis can't run his offense. The Bucks cannot run their offense when he does that, right? So you kind of face this dichotomy of if I leave Giannis on the court, the best player on our team – it's going to be much harder to get into a flow of our offense and get the ball moving. We take him off the team. Now we're missing our best player and we're relying on Chris Middleton and drew holiday and Brooke Lopez. What I will say to counter my own point is I think Chris Middleton is an unbelievable scorer. He has not showed up in the postseason, kind of like Paul George, but he is to me kind of this generation's DeMar DeRozan in terms of knockdown mid range. He has better long range, um, three point range than DeRozan. He can drive, he could bank fadeaway. I mean, he is to me a younger and more dynamic right now. DeMar DeRozan, Drew Holiday, is—I mean—he's been a fan favorite for the last five years. One of the best uh, defending guards in the league, hits the knockdown threes, a smart player, a smart passer. So, part of me wants to say they have the talent outside of Giannis to keep up with these these teams, but but they haven't proven that. I can't honestly get behind a team with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, Brook Lopez, especially compared to a Harden, Durant, Irving Nets. So. It is a weird situation. I think the Nets, I hopefully, I think this was Nash's scheme, played Giannis ingeniously. The only problem was the turnovers, and Giannis actually hit a lot of his open shots. But I think this throws a wrench in any offense.
0: If you're a Bucs fan, is there anything you want to see differently down the stretch in games, for example, the way they went to Middleton down the stretch and not Giannis or Drew Holiday? Why?
1: My question is, when the Nets started doing that, right, when the Nets started letting Giannis bring it up and pull up, why didn't the Bucs immediately have Drew Holiday pop up and take over the point guard position and send Giannis off to a wing or down low to stretch out the floor. That to me is how you combat that defense, right? Because if they're giving Giannis all that space and they can then double team uh, players on the Bucks or pack the paint, then it's essentially useless for Giannis to still have the ball up top, dish it off to Drew Holiday, run a dribble drive offense, get Middleton up there as well. Um, it almost took them too long to adjust and it felt like at that point their offense was just out of sorts, and they were relying on Pat Connaughton and DiVincenzo to come in and drain, and drain a three to keep him in the game.
0: I'll say this. Big shout-out to Joe Harris. He had the go-ahead three tonight. That was awesome. Um, Kevin Durant in crunch time in, like, the last – I guess the first – what's not So the fi- first 15 games of the season. He's had some bad moments. Uh, he got stripped by Middleton. They were up to – Durant had a chance to ice the game, and he got stripped by Middleton. It was another turnover by the Nets. The Bucks had a chance to either tie or win the ball game. Middleton missed a three uh, baseline to essentially lose the game. Um, and then again, I, I, you know, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but Durant also had that beautiful step-back shot uh, from a few games ago to, to put away the Nuggets. But outside of that, I can't – I mean, he missed the shot against the Wizards. Um, he missed another shot. Are they, him and Kyrie both missed against the Wizards. Then one of them missed against the Hornets. Anyway, he, he, he's had some, some not so great moments down the stretch. So I'd like to see Durant clean up that, you know, those plays in the final minute, two minutes of a game.
1: I agree. I mean, it's hard to get upset with that. He's averaging 39 and six. He's <laughs> the one who's gotten them in the game and getting these leads in the first place. Right. He hit, I, he did hit uh, a little floater with under three minutes left. So I don't think it's one of those situations where they're giving him the ball to hit the game winner every time. And he's flubbing it. Um, I think a couple times he's taken good shots. They've rimmed out. I'm not going to completely say he's like mentally fucking up or he's, or he's taking dumb shots. He's taking the right shots, the shots we'd want him to take there. He's just not hitting them right now as much as we'd like him to, but I'm not going to throw him flack. I mean, when you've got Harden backing him up when you've got Joe Harris hitting his open shots, that's why you're a team, right? That's why this isn't, the Durant show that's why you formed the Brooklyn that's why that's why this organization came together to carry each other to hit the shot when your player your teammate cannot so I'm not going to fault Durant he's been playing like Kevin Durant plays averaging oh what over 27 points so um let's wait a little longer and and see if this is a pattern but I'm not ready to throw him any
0: shade yet all right Nick let's start with our our first win this last week also
1: I want to make a point um, about people wondering on this pod why I'm a lot more calm and not as upset about the emergency as I was during the emergency pod.
0: You were not happy happy with the acquisition of James Harden and the departure of Jared Allen.
1: I was not. And I made that very clear. And I'd like to completely retract all of my anger and everything (laughs) I said, because James Harden looks like the greatest version of himself I've ever seen, Um, the first ever player to drop 30-point triple-double in an NBA debut. I know we're going to get to that game in a second. Uh, he has made the Nets 10 times more exciting than they've been in, what's well, been, 15 years?
0: Yes, yeah, since Jason Kidd. I'll say this. Um, you said that he's the first player to drop a triple-double in, in, a, in a team's debut. He is the first player to magically drop 30 pounds from traveling from Houston to Brooklyn. I mean, it was, a third, it was a
1: 30 point triple double,
0: but yeah. 30 point triple double. You saw the way he looked in Houston. He was thick. He comes to Brooklyn. He's wearing the black. All of a sudden, he's slim. He's cut. I heard it was a heating pad.
1: I heard the fat okay. Harden pictures were a heating pad in his stomach that he was using before the game.
0: By the way, we haven't talked about this yet, and fooey and on both of us, but um, prayers up to Karis Lavert. He, the doctors found a mass on his kidney when they did the physical. So he will be out for a little bit until they can get some more information on that. But uh, you know, we love Karis Levert when he was in Brooklyn, we still love Karis Levert. We wish him nothing but the best sucks to hear that, you know, they, but at least they found it. And um, who knows that physical might have saved his life. So. so I mean, hey,
1: he, he's going to get the best care in the world. So speedy recovery, yep. Bert. And as soon as he's good to go, we know he's going to take that Pacers team to another level.
0: All right, let's start. So we're going to go back next week. We're going to start with the first win in this four-game winning streak. That was the Denver Nuggets. We beat them on Tuesday night, 122-116. to Quickly, what was your summary of this game? What did you see? What did you like?
1: So I had a parlay, and this was the last leg of the parlay. It was a $25 to win $950 parlay, and all I needed was the Nets to win to finish to complete this parlay. They were down 18 at one point in the third quarter because they could not hit an effing shot in the first half and because Jamal Murray and Jokic were looking unbelievable. They went on such an unbelievable team chemistry ridden run. And that was the best basketball I had seen the Nets play until the last few games when Harden came in. Bruce Brown, 16 points and six rebounds. He had his NBA uh, Nets
0: coming out party. Eight eight of 11. Eight of 11 from the field for Bruce Brown. Eight of
1: 11 from the field. You haven't seen him play this well since Detroit. Durant, 34 points, 13 assists, nine rebounds. Put the team on his back in that third quarter. Joe Harris, 15 points. Karis Levert, 20 points. TLC, 11 points. Torian, seven. Shamit, five. Jeff Green, eight. Jared Allen, six. Literally every single person on the team contributed to this team victory. What I will say is what happened to Jamal Murray uh, from bubble Murray to now Murray, his minutes were getting cut back in the beginning of the season. He looked a step slow. He didn't have that killer mentality. So unbelievable team win on the Nets part. This was just absolutely incredible. I will also make a small note that Jeremy Grant was the uh, worst decision for the Nuggets to get rid of um, because he is going to be an all-star this year. Averaging 25 points on the Pistons. But with that said, what's going on with Murray Spence?
0: I don't know what's going on with him. It it seems that he is not as good at basketball as he was in the summer. Thank Um, you. That's
1: actually, I think the best take you've had on our podcast so far.
0: Appreciate that, man. You're such a supporting brother. Anyway. um, Yeah. I'll say this about this game. The last time we'll probably ever see Karis Levert and Jared Allen in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. And Levert did not disappoint. You said it yourself. He had 20 points, eight of 15 from the field. Uh, Jared Allen wasn't too great in this one. I mean, he let Jokic score 23 points and pretty much dominate him in the paint. But I'm not going to remember Jared Allen for this performance. I'm going to remember him for the two previous games where he shut down Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert. That's how I'm going to remember Jared Allen. But very tough game. I mean, obviously, we won the game, but it was, it was tough to, you know, because we didn't know we were seeing Karis LeVert and Jared Allen for the last time. Tuesday hap- – I'm sorry, we get to Wednesday – we have a game on Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday? Oh, yeah, it was Wednesday night against the Knicks. Um, and then, boom, 4 o'clock, we get the James Harden news. You and I dropped the emergency podcast. You're all angry about it. Uh, you have obviously said that you take back everything you said in that emergency podcast. But we had a basketball game that Wednesday night. It was the New York Knicks. It was the battle for New York's soul. No James Harden yet. No problem The Nets easily won this game. Uh, What did you see in in this battle for New York?
1: I mean, dude, what do I say every time the Nets win? If you beat the other team in assists and turnovers, you're going to win the game. They out-assisted the Knicks 29-22, to and they had six turnovers to the Knicks' nine. Didn't beat the Knicks much by um, turnovers, but think about it this way. The Nets are averaging over 16 turnovers a game this season. They had six turnovers against the Knicks. They cut that by a third, okay? And let's look at also the bench players that stepped up in this game. Keep in mind, no Irving, no Kyrie yet, no Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, no Torian Prince. They're all gone, Rodeons Kurooks, because they were traded to other teams that day. So why would they play that night? And look at who stepped up. Jeff Green with 11, Bruce Brown with 15, Joe Harris with 15, TLC with 13, Landry Shamet with 13, Reggie Perry with 11. Put some, That's put one, some two.
0: respect on my guy Reggie Perry's name. 11 points and 5 rebounds. He was 5 of 7 from the field. That was a, that was a big moment for him against New York to do what he did. That's 5, players in double, five bench players in double digits. Well, you don't see that. Every single player on the nets was in double figures who played except DeAndre Jordan had nine and 12 and Chris Choyoza had three and seven. I, I think Chris Chayosa, when Kyrie comes back is out of this lineup, especially with the addition of Harden. I don't think we're going to see Chris Chayosa again for a while until Kyrie takes another hiatus. But uh, look, you know, you're going to get the Knicks best whenever you play them. They're not a great basketball team, but obviously, you know, when, when it's New York versus Brooklyn, it gets very competitive um Knicks were in this game and then in that second quarter uh you know Nets made a run I think they were up 16 in that second quarter and they never really relinquished the lead um you did what you were supposed to do this is not a good Knicks basketball team you won 116 to 109 and then we go to the game on was it Saturday or Sunday against the Magic Nick uh, it was Saturday
1: against the Orlando Magic, in which we won 122 to 115. This was James Harden's Nets debut, in which again he was the first player in NBA history to average a, to uh, on his NBA on his debut with a new team get a 30 point triple double with 32 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds in 40 minutes of playtime. I remember Spen, as we're watching this game, our dad is texting us saying. I didn't know Harden was this good, right? He had the perception (laughs) that I know other people do who haven't watched Harden uh, uh, play a lot, that he's a volume shooter, that he's a selfish scorer, that he creates offensive plays and doesn't play defense. Harden did everything right in this game. Now, let me say this. Okay. He's on a new team. It's his first game on the new team where he's not necessarily the guy you have three, the guys. So I understand his mentality has to be coming in. I'm not going to be a dick. I'm not going to make enemies. I'm going to show them that I pass, that I hustle, that I play defense. So here's my uh, um, concern with that is I need that to stay throughout the season, as do the Nets. What we don't want is Harden to get comfortable in the team and go back to saying, I'm the guy. I don't have to play that much defense anymore because we're winning. I'm going to get mine as long as he stays in this mentality of, I still have to prove myself to this new team, to this organization, to this entirely new fan base, then we're in good shape.
0: I'll say a few things about this. So the reason that James Harden has this negative connotation around the way he plays basketball is because he was doing so much in Houston these past few years. Chris Paul was past his prime. Russell Westbrook was past his prime. Even Dwight Howard wasn't as good when he played in Houston. Harden has literally had to take the Houston Rockets and just put him over his shoulder and say, I'm going to try to do everything I can to take this team to the promised land. He doesn't have to do that on the nets. So that's number one. Number two, he scored what did he scored in this game. 32, 32. He had 34 tonight. Does it seem like he's putting up a, that many shots to score over 30 points? It doesn't. It it's seems real, like he's passed first. It it's really in first. the flow of the game. So when our dad texts us and he's like, I didn't know James Harden was this good. I think James Harden has found a way and it's good. That's the thing. It's going to be interesting when Kyrie comes back, because I said to some people, I said, you're going to see this amazing play between Harden and Durant. And the wild card is how is Kyrie going to fit in? Is he going to take the ball out of Harden's hands a little bit? Which right now I don't want to happen. Um, is he going to take the ball out of KD's hands? What's going to happen with that? But we'll get into that later. Sticking with Harden. When he, when he puts up these ridiculous numbers, it doesn't seem like he's scoring 30 a night. It, it seems like he's putting up 18 to 20 points a game. But in actuality, he's taking high percentage shots. He's picking his spots. You know, he's only taking like two or three step back threes a game. And he's hitting at least one or two of them. Um, a lot of layups, a lot of floaters, not these gross low-percentage contested shots that we saw him take with the Rockets. Because guess what? On those possessions, KD's taking the shot, or Joe Harris has taken the shot. So I think what Harden has done, which is amazing, it, it, this does not happen in sports, is he's found a way to fit in so quickly in this Nets offense with the way they play. You know, without Irvin, it's almost like they were missing that facilitator. You know, no, no disrespect to Bruce Brown, no disrespect to Karis Lavert or Chris Traoza, none of them can create anywhere close to James Harden. And that goes for Karis LeVert, and Karis LeVert can get 10 assists on a night. But the way that Harden plays, he demands so much attention on defense. He's drawing two defenders every single play. You saw it in this game against the Magic. You saw it tonight against the Bucs. When he is playing like this, and Durant's going to give you 30 a night, the Nets are virtually unbeatable, man. If they limit the turnovers, if they cut down – and they had 15 turnovers at the end of the third quarter tonight. They had two turnovers in the entire fourth quarter. Um, if they play like that, Nick, they're unstoppable. But, no, Harden, Harden was so good against the Magic. He's so fun to watch. I saw a number on Yes that I think they tripled their viewership the night that the Nets played the Magic. So, I think it was like they usually do, um, I want to say – what's 143,000 divided by three? What? Yeah, they, I think they had 143,000 viewers, and they usually do a third of that. So what is that, like 65, essentially? Dude, you're telling me there's only 143,000 people that watch the Nets? On Yes Network.
1: Oh, on Yes Network? On Yes Network. Uh, not on okay, TMZ. divided by three, that it's like 40,
0: 47,000, 48,000? Exactly. So my, my point is not only is Harden good at basketball he also draws a lot more viewers um but yeah that, that was that was my thoughts in, in his debut I mean he, he continued that over obviously tonight um just, well, what I will
1: say yeah. with Harden as well because I agree with everything you're saying you know he doesn't have to do as much as he did on the Rockets which I think is also the reason that on the Rockets he got a lot of shit and he was a little unlikable uh, from people outside of Houston because of how many fouls he drew like, all, like, the getting around the screen on the top of the key and then having the guy run into you while you're shooting or literally just driving for the sake of drawing fouls, which, listen, I understand the, the point is to win games and to, and to if you can do that by getting to the free throw line, great. But it's a little bit of, like, a cheap play. It's a little bit like what Steve Nash gave Trey Young uh, shit for. Like, that's not basketball. You know, your job isn't to just contort your body every play to go to the free throw line. So what I will say – which I think is also a factor why people like Harden a lot more right now on the nets, not just because he feels like he has this, uh, this kind of new uh, wind and charisma about him is because he's not playing this ticky tacky. I have the ball in my hand every play. And I need to somehow score, even if that means drawing fouls, every time he's playing basketball, he's moving the ball, he's getting rid of the ball and he's taking his, his opportunities as they come to him and he's doing it with time and cadence. So, I think that's another huge thing, right? Depending on the team you play on is how you play. If Giannis uh, was on the Lakers with LeBron and AD, he would not have to have the ball in his hand 90% of the time because he's on the Bucks. he does. So I think that's a huge factor as well, that this new team chemistry is allowing Harden to play more free, to play more off ball, and to play more selfless.
0: He's he's a he's a puzzle piece that fits in this Brooklyn Nets offense. He's not forcing it. You said he's he's, he's taking the game as it comes to him. Um, and the thing you love about Harden, and then we'll move on, is he plays at his own speed. You know, it doesn't matter if you're gonna d de- like like Drew Holiday tonight was d him up full court. Harden doesn't care. Harden takes his time, uses his picks, and he gets to his spot no matter what, and he does it at his own speed. So. He's a top five player in the NBA. So is Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving's top 10. All three of them play for the Brooklyn Nets. All right, Nick, let's get to some guys on this Nets team who might not be talked about as much as the superstars. Let's start with Bruce Brown. He has been very solid for the Nets, whether he's been in a starting role or off the bench. He comes, he brings this energy that you sort of expect from Timothy Luau-Cabreau But with TLC, it's a lot more inconsistent. Like, tonight, TLC was horrible against the Bucs. He he couldn't be on the floor for more than five minutes. Bruce Brown, even if he's not shooting well, he's going to give you this energy, this hustle, diving for loose balls, getting rebounds that I don't think anybody on the Nets is doing right now. So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from Bruce Brown and why you were so impressed that you threw him on our docket. Yeah, dude, I – did not know Bruce Brown well at all before the season.
1: When we got Bruce Brown, it was it was kind of a big trade deal that everyone was talking about, a big acquisition deal. And I said to you, I remember saying to you, like, who's Bruce Brown? His numbers don't look bad from Detroit. He's averaging, I think, I think it was like nine points and four or five assists a game on the Pistons, who were, have been pretty piss poor the past couple seasons. Um, so he kind of fell under the radar to me. Uh, watching him play over the, you know, that first game, uh, or is it the scrimmage or the first game of the season? He was the only one that didn't get any minutes. And Nash said, hey, that's simply the rotation. So you had to assume he just wasn't, you know, doing anything impressive in practice to, to earn his minutes on the, on the court in the games. But over the past few games, starting with about five or six games ago, I think it was against the Nuggets where he had that 15 points. Um, he looks not only confident with the ball around the rim, but he looks like he's effing hungry to play basketball. He looks like he – like like the way he went up for that rebound against the Bucs tonight where he ripped the ball. It might have been above Brooke Lopez, who I think has seven inches on him, and he went back up and finished the play for a second-chance opportunity. He looks hungry. He looks aggressive. He looks like he's playing smart. He's a lockdown defender. He's picking and choosing his shots wisely. He's great around the rim, like I said. He got a rebound from – um. That he like saved a ball from getting out of bounds, jumped back in, went up and under around Brooke Lopez for a quick two. He just looks like he wants to uh, contribute to this team in any way possible, and he's ready to do so. And I'm going to go as far as saying, I know it's very soon, he could potentially be the new Karis Levert. Now, is he as natural of a scorer and shooter as Levert? No. But he brings intangibles that Levert does not have the dive on the floor for any loose ball mentality, the get up and rip the ball out of the bigger man's hands mentality. He looks like it 100% of the time. Like you said, he's working his ass off. He might be the hardest working net on the court right now, especially tonight against the bucks. So I'm going to go out on a hot take and say, Bruce Brown is going to be the guy off the bench that keeps the nets, you know, that, that, Keeps the Nets a comfortable lead when they're up and want to give Durant and Harden a break. He's going to give them a spark when our stars are are slow and not moving the ball well. And not only a spark, uh, you know, offensively or scoring wise, a spark just hype and aggression wise. So Bruce Brown, to me, is going to be a key player in this Nets championship contention season.
0: Okay, I think you're crazy to compare Bruce Brown to Karis LeVert. Let's start there. They're, they're completely different players. Bruce Brown. I'm cannot, not. Saying, I'm not
1: comparing their playing. I'm saying you're, you're comparing terms their, terms their of the team, yeah, their
0: compare, role yeah. on the team. I'll give you a better comparison. A few years ago, when the Nets went to the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, one of the heart and soul guys on that team was Jared Dudley. Not because a terrible of, comparison. It's not because of the culture that he brought to the team. If you remember that 76ers series, he started the fight with Simmons. He got the Nets riled up. He got them back in competitive and into the series. Now, they would go and lose in five games, but – a guy like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who was never the most skilled guy on the court, but he would give his all, he would throw his body. Even in the bubble, you saw Justin Anderson, and Nets gave him a shot. And he was, doing, he was doing things like Bruce Brown is doing today. Yeah, but Bruce I think Bruce Brown, Brown is more talented than all three of them combined. There you go. Exactly. So, so we're agreeing. But, but what they provided in terms of energy, hustle, etc., Bruce Brown's doing the same. We just think that Bruce Brown has a much more NBA body than those three guys. Not just body. I'm saying skill. You comparing him to Dudley's an insult. Dudley is a fat guy who
1: cannot but, play basketball. But you're
0: but you comparing him to Lavert's an insult to Lavert. We're, we're talking about culture. We're talking no, about because effort. I think
1: he can get to Lavert's level of scoring. Uh, uh,
0: now you're not on the nice Pacers.
1: Lavert's going to be the guy on the Pacers now who averages uh, 25 right, just because right. he's going to shoot volume. Look at their percentages. Who's shooting a better percentage?
0: I want to get to another player on the Nets. Joe Harris. I'm just going to go out and say his name. He has now hit a three-pointer in 75 straight games. He hit five tonight. He is just ridiculous from beyond the three-point land. And also, he's kind of got a decent mid-range shot now. He's another guy, Nick, who, if you told me before this season, Joe Harris is, is going to be scoring 14 to 15 points a game on this team, I would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. There's no way he's going to have that many opportunities. No, he is – heavily involved in this offense. One can say he's the third best scorer outside of Durant and Harden right now, you know, not talking about Kyrie, but have you been like overly impressed with Joe Harris? Or is this something that you've grown to expect having watched in the last few years? It's something I'm grown to expect watching him this season. I mean, he just came
1: out this season firing and not missing open threes. Like tonight against the Bucks, or I guess last night when you guys listen to this pod is the fact of the matter is, when he is open, there is not a doubt in a fan's mind it's going in. I, I don't think I celebrate harder than anybody in any Nets fan, maybe other than his grandma, when he hits a shot, because it is smooth as butter. His release is quick. He, he squares himself up to the hoop in a millisecond. I mean, just when people thought Duncan Robinson was the three-point shooter in the league, Joe Harris said, nah, nah, buddy, like I'm still here, don't forget about me. And he has been lights out. I expect him to hit those shots and I enjoy it equally as much when he actually does. So the fact of the matter is Joe Harris is an elite three point shooter right now and is arguably the best three point shooter in the league. Um, And like I always say, it's all a matter of consistency. Can he keep this up? The only thing I will say about Joe Harris, he kind of has like a 12 year old boy haircut. That's the only thing I'll say. Um, I just think it looks like one of those classic bowl on your head scissor cuts. I think it could have been done with a little more,
0: Uh, chutzpah but we'll see underrated first step joe harris when he gets that ball his three-pointer is so deadly guys play him really tight and if he times it up perfectly he can pretty much beat anybody on the first step you saw that tonight he he beat conaton a few times off the dribble he beat Divincenzo Divincenzo a few times off the dribble um he's 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 a capable scorer joe harris he's really turned into a hell of a player for this team He's, na- right. he's nailed that, like, uh,
1: jab step, jump back for the three move. That's unbelievable.
0: How important has Jeff Green been for this Nets team? I mean, we talked about
1: it earlier. Jeff Green has has fully embraced his role. Um, he's not afraid to have the ball in his hands. He, You know, he was backing down – I think it might have been you know, either Drew Holiday or DiVincenzo, somebody who's clearly taller than He was just backing him down, and my roommate yells, like, pass the ball off. And he takes this ill-advised – fade away and nailed to the it. perimeter and nails the jump nailed it. Nah, don't pass that off jeff green um, I mean, and then i said my name is jeff but i think jeff green like i said before he's carrying over what he did in houston he is a talented basketball player that at this point he's out of his prime at this point he's, he's he's an older slower player all he needs to do is adjust to whatever team he's on when he was on the rockets it was open threes now on the nets he's filling in this gap of lacking size a little bit he's backing down players a little bit more he's getting rebounds and when he needs to, he's stepping out when Harden has the ball for, for a cross court pass and hitting the three pointer when he's open. So he's doing everything he needs to be doing right now. He is fulfilling the exact role the Nets had envisioned for him, and I I, I can't expect any more because he's playing amazingly.
0: I'll tell you this: the Nets fans on Twitter always clamor for the Nets to sign a stretch four. Right? They want Danilo the Gallinari. They want John Collins. They want uh, Sabonis. They want all these guys who can step out, hit the three, and also take it to the hoop. Jeff Green is a stretch four. I mean, he's not as good as those guys, but he is a guy. He can take you off the dribble. He can post you up, and he can hit the three-pointer. The Nets do not have another player like Jeff Green. I mean, Kevin Durant's completely different. He can score anywhere at any time, but – to have Jeff Green, for, for Harden to be able to kick it out to him for the three, I mean, you saw, there. you know, so Harden did the play to Jeff Green, went behind the back, Green hit the three. Then Reggie Perry came in, and Harden tried the same thing, and Perry just bricked the three. So you need that guy who, who's a four or a five who can hit that shot in the NBA. That's vital. And the Nets have that with Jeff Green. So the next time I hear Nets fans talking on Twitter, look, I know we need another big man. I'm not saying we don't, but don't take Jeff Green for granted. What he does is extremely essential to the Brooklyn Nets.
1: I agree. The, I think the only concern for, for Nets fans is longevity. He's 34, uh, turning, turning uh, 35 this year. So how many good years does he have left or how many good Jeff Green years does he have left? Uh, that's unclear. But, yes, I, I believe right now in this season he's still got it.
0: All right, Nick, let's get to Kyrie Irvin. So, boo. No, no, he's still a Brooklyn Net. We do not boo Kyrie Irvin. You're a flip-flopper. You were booing James Harden four days ago, so I don't, I don't want to hear from you.
1: Yeah, I'm easily I'm easily impressed if you just play basketball and play well and we All win. Right. I, All right. love you. Look, I will look,
0: love you. Look, Kyrie has gotten past that he's not playing for personal reasons. Now he is not playing because the league is holding him out for health and conditioning stuff. He will be back this week, possibly Wednesday night against his former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: I'll believe it when I see it. And now Jared Allen's team.
0: Jared Allen's team. So that brings me to this next segment. It's advice time. I mean, I think you and I owe Kyrie Irving some advice. Uh, He's on his way back. So I guess the first question is, you know, how should he rejoin the team? My idea was he should do two things. One, he should post a TikTok. And it should be that classic song where it's like, you know, on TikTok, it's always the person who gets caught going out to smoke uh, marijuana. And the song is, I know you've wonder where I've been. I think if Kyrie posted like a TikTok with that song, I think that would be really funny. I think it would get a few million views. The other thing, I think you should get all his teammates some type of present. Maybe it's an Xbox. Maybe it's a $500 gift certificate to Peter Luger's in Brooklyn or Del Frisco's in Manhattan. I don't know. But I think at this point after missing four or five games buy your teammates, something nice Buy Steve Nash, something nice for taking all those freaking questions about you and, and getting hammered by the media night in night out. Um, make those guys happy because if you make them happy, like, like when, you know, a quarterback buys all five of his linemen, some ridiculously expensive dinner. Kyrie owes that to his team. So my advice. You know what the
1: real gift would be? You know what the real gift would be if Kyrie went back on the court, played unselfish basketball, showed his guys that he's there for him, showed his guys he's ready to win, took a little bit of a step behind Harden in the guard position in terms of handling the ball, understood his role, respected his teammates and his coach and the fans and the players and the organization. That is the true gift.
0: Yeah, but that's not tangible. And, like, guys on his team can't use that off the court. So, I mean, listen, you can afford it. Buy everybody an Xbox or a PS4 or whatever the kids are playing these days, and that's how you win your teammates back. Great. All right, Nick, that just about does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. Wait, you...
1: I have some Twitter beef to bring up with you. Okay. Okay. Because uh, on the emergency pod, you called it your podcast. Yes. In which Speedo Rito, my friend Reed Williamson, reached out to you on Twitter and said, that's not cool. It's both of your podcasts. And he was clearly taking my side because you were creating some beef with your podcast co-host. So I want to hear you say on air in front of all of our fans, this is our podcast, not yours.
0: First of all, I responded to his tweet. Did he tell you what my response was? Yeah, I saw your response saying like
1: Nick like everyone knows whose podcast this is, only furthering my argument that <laughs> you need to literally admit that it's our podcast. Or I, I'll walk, bro. I'll 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 walk.
0: Listen, all right, I got cousins in our family lining up to do this show. We if have you- the same cousins. Whatever, See, this bro. Is thing. You can't even say our cousins. They're your cousins too. If I admit that this is our podcast, will, will you end the pod with me? I will. Okay. Nick, I value everything you bring and contribute to this show. This is our podcast. We can't have Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick without Nick. All right, I'm ready. All right. That does it for this week's episode of FSN with S&N. Catch you on the fireside.